You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Oh, shit! God, I was uh, just yawned. I just yawned. I'm getting old. Uh, I like. I don't know how many of you take naps or have the ability. Like right now, just just by me saying the word nap, there's like 50% of you who don't work from home, have to go to an office or a, a, a factory, or you know, you work uh, outside, landscape or concrete. And I, I said nap. God, I want to go downstairs and take a nap right now. And I actually might when I'm done uh, editing this episode. <laughs> but everybody's listening right now who's doing that manual labor job's like, this guy, this guy's a bum. <laughs> like, I, got, I, I tell you this, the last four days, I went on my last honeydew trip. Uh, we went on a, a trip with my wife's friends to Nashville, Tennessee, and did the, I don't know if, if you guys have been to Tennessee, but there's like a, a long street, tons of bars on it, live music. And I, I played the good boy. Like I didn't drink that much. Um, the, the food, you know, you, you go out to eat and, and, and that kind of stuff. So you're eating like dog shit. But, um, I got home yesterday. I was able to take a little bit of a nap before the kids, uh, came you know, got back home from school, uh, got the kids off today. I had to go do a whole, you know, run some errands. I had a doctor's appointment I had to go to. And then, and then I get back home and I'm tired as shit now. And it is like, it's one o'clock in the afternoon when I'm recording this. And all I want to do is take a nap. I'm, like, I feel like I had jet lag, but I was in the t- same time zone. So whatever is what it is. I, I don't want to bitch to you about my life. I want to I want to get everybody fired up for the upcoming uh, hunting season because mm, this time next week I will be on my first out of state hunt. 
and I'm, I'm getting pretty excited. I still have to pack. I still have to get a lot of gear situated uh, for this trip. I got to wash some clothes, you know, make sure the boots are on check, my backup boots, and I have all, all the equipment need. I still have to buy groceries and, and do all the stuff. Like, I have to do everything as far as packing is concerned. I got my tire fixed today uh, on, on my truck, so... The truck's good. I need the only thing I need to do with that is get an oil change before the trip, and I'm good with the truck. It's just the gear at this point, and then I'm off. Right? It's been out west. It's been like in the 90s, high 80s, 90s, even into the hundreds. And on Tuesday of next week, it looks like where I'm going, there's going to be a cold front that comes through and drops the temperatures down for the next five days after that that cold front into the like. 80s uh low 80s high 70s and so i'm looking i'm i pushed it back on purpose like one or two days just so i could do that and uh, i'm really looking forward to getting out there and and uh seeing seeing what that what that area has to offer um i i'm gonna have some other intel that uh i'm gonna you know have the ability to go and and uh pull from this year some other guys that i know have hunted they went there for the opening weekend and uh the opening week and so i'm going to pick their brains talk to them uh, about what they saw ask them you know ask them questions they're going to provide me with whatever they feel like providing and and so i might have some more in, intel and and the big intel that i'm they they told me that they found some water some running water or some standing water out there. And so that's a big thing out West right now. So if you can find the water, that's where they found all the deer. And so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, getting out there and, and putting, you know, getting in the groove of one of these hunts and hopefully, man, you know, uh, this particular state, I'm going after a whitetail or a mule deer and it's going to be first come whatever. It's not like, when I'm going to South Dakota, the next state that I hunt, that's going to be 100% mule deer country. Anything after that, I'm thinking, you know, or anything before that, I'm thinking first come. Like any, this this next place in Nebraska that I'm going, first come, first shooter deer is going to get an arrow. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, to to that hunt so but today we have a preseason bs session with uh our our new brother byron horton from the whitetail experience and this is an awesome podcast because we talk about everything from gear preparation um to the properties that we hunt um uh, you know and and some of the actual life circumstances that happen that keep us from the woods or allow us to get in the woods we talk about kids he's got a brand new baby um i recently have been tapped to be a soccer coach because they couldn't find another one so it was my kids don't play soccer or you coach and so i decided to coach which it has implications on the amount of time that i can hunt and uh when i hunt and so oh, that's that's happening and then from there just you know the scheduling of of these hunts uh not only the out-of-state hunts but uh i'll be traveling uh here in iowa as well and even though it's still a lot closer than a nine-hour drive you still have to plan it 
uh, especially with kids and a wife. And Byron, like I said, he's got a brand new baby at home. He's having to deal with that and, and juggle this. So it sounds like he's going to be staying closer to home than venturing out too far this year. And so we talk about that. We talk about the, the farms that we're going to be hunting, the deer that we're hoping to see, whether or not we have trail camera data or, or historic uh, data from these properties. And it's just a real good uh, preseason BS session that is, I hope gets you guys all fired up for the upcoming season. So it's lighthearted and there's some good, there's some good conversation in there as well about, uh, you know, the process of getting into the hunting season, the strategy involved and that kind of stuff. So hopefully you guys enjoy before we get into this though, tethered, uh, if you're looking for a saddle company, go check out tethered. I've been shooting out of mine. I'm starting to feel pretty confident in it. Um, like, like I have said in previous, I'm not a field edge guy, right? So I don't typically hunt field edges. So where I hunt is in thick, nasty areas where the shot opportunities very rarely go past 30 yards. So this year I shot my deer at 10 steps here in Iowa or 10 yards in, in Iowa. And so hunting out of a saddle in, in that, in that inside 30 or 30 yard range, that's what I've been practicing. Really. I, I feel really confident, very comfortable. And, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting excited, excited to go and try, you know, saddle hunting for the first time. So I'm pumped about that. And then what else we have wasp archery, uh, wasp man, got the the jackhammers on for this this hunt next week i've been launching them down 60 yards they're flying true i'm feeling confident i'm feeling good with them and then long story short i just gotta wait put one in in the boiler room and and then follow the blood trail right and so the best material that uh, a company can get they have an awesome design so you mix the the awesome design and the awesome material together and now you're talking about a really really good broadhead and uh that's wasp man so shit i got a discount code for you here wasp archery nfc20 for 20 percent off i'm a fan of the boss four blades and the jackhammers go check those out and then we have hunt stand again if you're looking for the best hunting app on the market and it's the best because the price is affordable and the functionality is high and so you mix those two together and it's just a win-win right and the functionality allows you to do a ton of awesome things i mean you can manage trail camera data you can um, manage spots locations you can do food plot stuff if you're a private land guy or, or a habitat manager i mean the functionality whoops the functionality is there and uh, you definitely need to get, take advantage of that find out everything else about hunt stand at huntstand.com and then last but not least vortex optics title sponsor these guys are doing amazing things um, not just with the products that they sell but they're there's a bit of philanthropy that goes on in the in that company as well and uh, it's just awesome seeing a company give back like they do so if you're looking for a spotting scope pair of binoculars range finder uh, rifle scopes red dots you name it vortex has it high quality badass vip warranty you break it smash it burn it gets eat by a bear shit out the back end they will repair it for free and send it back to you and if they can't repair repair it they'll get you a new one so uh vortexoptics.com that's it let's get into today's bs session with byron horton 
three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, the Whitetail Experience host, Mr. Byron Horton. Byron, what's up, man? Dude, it is September. Woo! We had a cool morning. Yeah. I am kind of getting fired up, if you will. Yeah, dude, I, I tell you what. When I can go outside and feel that, you know what I'm talking about? The feel. You, f- you get that feeling, the cool morning feeling. I can drive down the, the country roads and the the soybeans are starting to turn. They're not bright green anymore. They're starting to turn uh, to yep. the dull green into the yellow. The trees aren't bright green anymore. They're they're slowly fading into that into that fall color. And so, man, all the signs are here. I just got to be patient and wait for my hunt. Yeah. Now, um, another big, like, I don't know, turn on, if you will, uh, is that edge of the corn when it starts to turn oh, yeah. brown or dry. Yep. That's like, that's like to me, the ultimate signal. Yes. Yes. And I, there's a couple cornfields by my house that are doing that right now. And so uh, they, you know, everything starts to dry out and it looks like we're, you know, you can see deeper into the fields and things like that. And, and, uh, I went on a, a weighted pack hike, you know, getting prepped for my Western hunt and the other day, and there's, there's acorns dropping all over the place out there. So, um, all these little signs are telling guys like us that we should probably start thinking about getting ready. And, uh, hopefully, I don't know, I'm not a hundred percent ready yet. I still have to pack for some of my out-of-state hunts but uh as far as the arrows and and bows and arrows are concerned i'm I'm shooting good let me ask you this from from a archery standpoint or are you an all-year shooter or do you just kind of ramp it up in in the summer into the fall so i used to be a year-round like heavy shooter indoor 3d stuff like that and then I kind of started realizing scouting was probably more important than than 3D archery on Friday nights. So I and I still can squeeze off some arrows. I, I live where I can shoot my bow, and I've got a decent like 40 yard range. If I move the truck, I got a 60 yard range. Bow hooks are, are set up out there. Arrow containers. Um, I don't shoot hardcore year round, but I definitely do a decent amount of shooting once the weather breaks. Yeah. Um and and where are you at right now as far as are you are you feeling confident you feeling good yeah like so i i do a lot of broadhead shooting and and kind of whittled down to to total arrow system roughly three weeks ago yeah and so i'm yeah like last night i shot six arrows uh that's all i had time to do and i went out there and i I like blank bailed three of them and then I put three at like 25 yards with broadheads. Um, you know, I, I, I can't sit there and, and pound arrows all day just yeah. due to time efficiency, but you know, getting in reps almost every day to every other day. I think that's the name of the game. And you said you've been doing some training, dude. I, uh, you laugh at this. I did 45 flights yesterday in my build, office building at work, um, with my weighted pack, uh, just to get in some steps and some elevation type training. Yeah. Yeah. I went on a, so usually I'll, I, I put about 70 pounds on, on my back and I, I walk this lap at a state park and it's severe decline and severe incline. And so what was it? Not yesterday, but the day before it would have been, would have been Tuesday. I put 55 pounds on my back and I went for a 4.1 miler and in that same state park, just a different, you know, mm-hmm. a different, uh, route, so to speak. And so 
man, the legs were burning. That's for sure. And that was the goal. And, and, you know, I know, I know you train and I know, um, I train and there are a lot of guys out there try to get ready, you know, with, with an hour long workout, let's just put it at an hour. Cause usually that's what people dedicate to uh, working out. But I'll tell you what, man, when you're out in the elements, let's just say an elk hunt or an out-of-state whitetail hunt where you're moving around a lot. If you like, you you can't train for four or five hours of hiking or going up the side of a mountain or things like that. Because I don't I don't care how good of shape you think you're in. Once you're past that hour threshold, your body starts to get fatigued, and you need to like eat way more or rest way more or whatever it is that, that you do. And so I get, that's where I get frustrated is I, I can go do a real intense one hour workout, but that it's better than nothing, but it doesn't compare to doing what I'm about to do when I go to South Dakota this year. And that's hike three miles in and then an additional two miles through two or three miles throughout the day, you know, hitting ridges, glassing, dropping down, going back up glassing and then having to walk the three miles back. So I could be putting in anywhere from eight to 10 miles in a single day. You're not training for that, that, that style of abuse on your body. And so I don't know, I, that's where the, uh, you know, I, I had way less weight on my, on my pack, but I went instead of, I don't know, for an hour, I went two and a half hours or something like that. Maybe it was longer than four mm-hmm. miles anyway, but it was up and down and things like that. And by the end of it, my legs were trashed. So, and that was only like a two hour, two and a half hour thing. So just imagine yeah. what an all day, you know, like all day is going to do, is going to do to you. So, oh, well, that's just me kind of bitching a little bit. Yeah. Dan, my, my uh, best friend, he's a, oh, he works for the city. So he's on his feet. He gets, you know, 20,000 steps in pretty easy. And then he mows maybe some yards as, as a side hustle for yeah. uh, out of state hunting trips. So he'll do the 30,000 steps a day. And he talks about when we go and we've done uh, some Western hunts and some shed hunting trips and, and, you know, pounded miles, he's got the advantage of the fact that he's on his feet doing kind of manual labor all day, like as a day yeah. job. Yeah. Your body's um, conditioned to that. Yeah. Like I have pretty good lung capacity as far as like my sports and athletic background. So like I can maybe climb like one mega hillside faster than him, but he's got a pretty good advantage as far as just naturally working at something for six, eight hours a day, kind of like you described there yeah. on that hunt. And I'd rather have that type of conditioning than being able to go real hard, real quick, right? I'd rather have that feeling good all day long type conditioning where the muscles are just used to the repetitiveness, you know, the repetitiveness of whatever it is you're doing. So kudos to the, the landscapers and concrete pourers of the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, that man strength. Yeah, exactly. So, um, kind of going back to, you know, let's touch base on gear here a little bit before this uh, season started. You mentioned that I'm, I got lucky this year where I didn't upgrade my bow. I didn't upgrade my arrows. I got some new arrows. I just picked them up this morning. They're built. They're the exact same build as last year. And so there's not a lot of tuning that I have to do, or, you know, no, I'm not setting up a new bow. I'm not changing my schematic, any type of schematics. So I can put that new arrow in, draw back, and I'm hitting on the same place I was last year. Are, and you mentioned that you're, you got your arrow configured, uh, your configuration only done three weeks ago. Are you, 
how long does it take you to get confident in a new setup? So I, I have shot the same arrows for a while and I like the fact I'm with you. Like I heard you recently speak on a podcast. Like I do not like to upgrade my bow every year because, um, you one, I'm just so familiar with it after uh, a season or so. Um, in fact, like I just upgraded from a bow I had for five seasons by a company that's not even around anymore. Yeah. Um, so, so I got that new bow and I started shooting that thing in May, early May, I want to say now I, I, Dan, what I did recently was shoot a bunch of broadheads and, and I kind of was, you know, I had a handful of makes models and I just kind of wanted to see maybe what the bow liked the best or or whatever. Cause they even talk about that with like rifles, like your, your gun may like federal premiums ammunition better than Remington's. And like, I think rifles are way more precise than, than, than archery equipment. Right. Like, yeah, just nature of the beast. Um, so I did a lot of broadhead shooting there in let's call it late July and finally just said, okay, here in early August, these are the two front runners. This is the one I'm going to start with. That was the only thing I really secured up, but I've been shooting the same setup full blown, um, since May. And I would, I would even say like, I won't be a hundred percent with that thing probably till January, even though I'm going into hunting season and I see, uh, some very, uh, I'm definitely shooting that bow more accurate at 30, 40 yards than my prior model. Yeah. But as far as like comfortability, dude, I knew that old bow like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It kind of uh, sucks. That's kind of, yeah, in a I, way. I almost don't like getting a new yeah. bow sometimes. Yeah. And and it's just, it's peace of mind knowing you don't have to take these extra steps and, and you know, put the rest on, get it tuned, get the side on, get it tuned, make sure your uh, cams are timed, you know, all that stuff. And so, um, I'm just, that's just one big load off my back that I don't have to uh, worry about right now. So other than, you know, the, the bow and arrow setup, it sounds like you got it figured out. Um, any other type of gear, I don't know, um, setups you're, you're tinkering with, or do you got what you, you got, got it figured out as far as your, uh, your whitetail setup? Um, whitetail wise, I, I picked up some, a little bit stiffer boots in January or February during shed season. I've uh, been liking those. Um, and then the, uh, whitetail mobile system is, is dialed as far as how I'm going to start the year. Yeah. Um, what is, no major, what is your setup? So I'm going to go run the, the 0.75 from Lone Wolf custom gear. So that stand that's kind of in between their smallest model and, and kind of like the standard. Yep. Um, I'm going to run three mini sticks, all cable-aidered on. And then, like, my my rogue piece of advice or piece of gear this year is, like, there is a a Backwoods Mobile makes this, like, movable aider that, like, tethered to your hip. Because, like, most hunts, three sticks, cable-aiders, I'm going to get to my hunting height. But, like, in the big woods, there will be one hunt out of ten that I look up and I, I'm in a telephone pole. That's the place to be. I just got to get as high as possible. And that, like, movable aider then allows me to take those mini sticks and put them at like seven foot a stick. And so I can kind of get to that 20 ish foot mark because it essentially doubles my aider on the bottom of, of all those individual mini sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel cool anymore after listening to you talk, right? Like Garrett Prawl from the DIY sportsman, he's kind of gone through all of this, uh, um, 
the you know with aiders and 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 one stick or you know the guys who i I don't i don't know if it's called the one sticking method Mm -hmm. and and there's even guys i know this dude throws a rope in a tree and then he uses a rope to climb the tree so oh yeah the the drt srt guys like how would you do that in the dark yeah i don't know anyway he's he does it and so and and here i am I have zero mods other than um, some noise canceling stuff on my my old lone wolf sticks, right? And and mm-hmm. on the the pole of the stand, and it's just basically for grip and a little bit of noise deadening. And that is hockey tape or athletic tape wrapped around there. And so when it, when all these guys start talking about all these things that they do, man, I'm running the traditional lone wolf four sticks and the lone wolf assault for my tree stand. And this year I'll have, uh, I'll be using a tethered saddle as well, uh, throwing that into the arsenal. And so I've been shooting out of the tether, getting comfortable uh, with that and, and uh, shooting out of the saddle and whatnot. And so and so no mods or anything done to any of that, just using it how it's designed to be used. And so when, when all these guys talk about, uh, you know, here you got a, a mod this and a mod that, when it comes to mods, why do you mod out your equipment? And, and maybe use an example of why you do that. Okay, so I, I on the mod scale, I'm going to put myself at like – you know, the, the one sticker DRT, we're going to put that guy as like a 10 out of 10 modder. Uh, yeah. He's adjusted bolts, full tape on everything. Yep. And then Dan Johnson, we're going to put you at like a two out of 10. You know, you throw some tape on a few things. Yeah. Me, I'm probably somewhere in that four-ish to five range. Gotcha. Um, so I guess a couple of like my favorite mods. Uh, okay, I put the Kuyu um, like backpack suspension on a tree stand. Yep. And... So like that was like the cushiest straps, and I, I'm gonna do that with my current .75. I got some Kafaru straps. I got to get some additional rigging, and, and and I'm gonna do that. And and that's super nice because I did pack out my second deer. So like, you know, when you spend a lot of time with that thing on, the better the better and best straps you can have. That that does make a difference. Um, I do a little bit of tape job on on some of my stuff, and then. I took my camera arm and made it a two segment arm instead of a three. Yeah. And that's just because it folded up a lot easier and I could like take a, uh, a strap and mount it to the bottom of my tree stand seat okay. for storage. So like I said, I do a little bit here and there, like enough to be dangerous, but I am definitely not the guy uh, leading the way in that department. Yeah. And so the, the cable aider on your sticks is, yeah. Is that to prevent you from having to carry another stick, a fourth stick? Yeah. Yeah. And I've done, I've done, I guess I've done some height test videos. Basically, Dan, with, with cable aiders on all my three mini sticks, it's like I'm carrying a fourth, or it, it, it essentially allows me to get to like a fourth stick height without actually bringing a physical stick. So that's like one less time around the tree. There's some weight savings. I feel like that plus minus, like the efficiency of the cable aider, it climbs really well compared to, five years ago i was just throwing a a rope or a strap type eight around the bottom which wasn't exactly the easiest thing to climb it may get like blown in the wind it may fall against the tree and the cable aiders there's a little bit more of a climbability factor with them gotcha gotcha okay um yeah man i i guess 
I guess I've never just been into it. I've always just relied on the design of the products that I've been using to be the the go-to. And I'm sure that there's you know other options out there. I mean, obviously there's other options out there for for guys who want to tweak their gear. And I think I think it's probably fun for them. You know, I I honestly don't think yeah, maybe. Because when it comes to whitetail hunting, man, there's been some times where I've had to walk a long ways, but not so long, not so far to where all of a sudden I'm just cursing my four sticks and, and lone wolf. You know what I mean? Like, it, like I'm not an ounce counter, but I've never, you know, ever have ever had a thought where it's just like, oh my God, this is so heavy that I got to find a way to cut out x amount of weight so that it becomes easier for me and maybe that's just because of the 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 style i hunt or or the the properties that i hunt where i don't have to go two three miles back in yeah now dan also like my my buddy dave is a little bit closer to your build like you're you know above six foot you you've got a bigger back you carry weight a lot easier than maybe a guy who's five ten and and a buck sixty um, I'm kind of like, I don't have, I'm not the biggest dude in, in the woods. And I remember this was four years ago. I found a buck and he, uh, I had to go over two, let's call it two hillsides. And those were both like 400 ish foot floor, floor to floor to ceiling climbs. Um, it wasn't super far. I think it was, uh, right around three quarter of a mile, but it was two big climbs. And at the time I was running, let's see here, three or four XOPs with the older XOP stand. So my bag on that hunt was like 45, 50 pounds. Yeah. And when I was trying to hunt that deer down and go there uh, four or five days in the rut, I could I could hunt hard like that, like one day very comfortably. But I remember coming out the woods on day two or three, and I was like, do I just stash my stand halfway back or something <laughs> like that? Um, I know how you can get rid of some weight, uh, Byron. Yeah. <laughs> All that camera shit you carry around. So that's the other thing. Back in the day <laughs> – Back in the day, I did have a lot heavier camera arm because I think third arm was like one of the only manufacturers or muddy. Um, yeah, Dan, like I, I think running around the woods now, I'm right around 25 pounds compared to five years ago. I was 45 oh, yeah. pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the whole self-filming game. And I, I remember I was carrying those muddy arms. And, and so you're carrying a muddy arm. Uh, a muddy base, a big like a camera, and then uh, the sticks, the stands. Man, it is, it's a workout when you're when you got that much weight on top of it. And so, I can remember the first year I hunted without all that camera equipment. It was like <laughs> 2015, I think, and I was like, "Holy shit, I could run through the woods." like dropping all that camera stuff that, you know, and, and so, uh, I haven't really looked back, uh, you know, no, no real interest right now, right now in, uh, you know, self-filming or doing any type of camera work. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have like a light, like a scouting type setup. Um, for example, like I know we'll probably get into some hunting talk. If I, if I have no game plan opening day here, um, I will grab my smaller like fanny pack style bag because, it's just not got a lot in it. And I will take my little, like, I call it my little YouTuber camera. And it's literally the size of a playing deck of cards because I realized that that hunt, it's more about like scouting than it is filming. Like I right. need to go find out what's going on. Um, and then I kind of will then bring the bigger camera gear when maybe the, the hunts, I'm a little more dialed. I know right where I'm going. 
um, I've got more of a game plan. But yeah, I, I bounce back and forth based on, on what the need is or let, let's say I'm going to hunt the pinch point that's literally a mile and a half from the truck. Well, like that day, like I'm not taking the big bazooka camera gear. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so talked a little bit about the 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 gear getting ready for the season we talked about the the shooting a little bit man i, I, I kind of going back to that uh you mentioned you feel confident i've had a, i've had a couple uh afternoons you know like supper's over uh kids are kind of settled in the house they're watching their their tv or their their coloring or playing or whatever and i sneak out in the backyard and, and i can i could probably get up to 100 yards in the area like it's because i my backyard is a egg field so i can walk through my neighbor's backyard into this empty lot and just launch them into my backyard but man i've had a couple i don't know if this you've ever had had these days where i've had a couple uh, afternoons where i felt like i'm just like dude i feel sorry for the first year that steps out that's a shooter <laughs> you know what i mean like he's gonna get slaughtered and so i uh Man, I, I've been walking away feeling real confident lately, and so that confidence hopefully matches up with the work that I've done from a from a scouting standpoint, and uh, you know, and the historical you know the historic information that I have that you know gets me to where I need to be this season, man. Yeah, nice. I, I have heard you talk real confidently about uh, just shooting laser beams out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty excited about it. All right, so now we've talked about all that stuff. Now, from a uh, a scouting standpoint, how many uh, how many states you got? First off, you got a brand new baby. Congre- <laughs> congratulations, right? Um, worst time to have a baby, right before hunting season, but. There's nothing you can no, do. No, no, November like fifth. Come on, the the classic people got it on on Valentine's Day, and they have a November like first week of season or second week yeah. of season baby. Wait a wait a second. Have you had your baby yet? You had your baby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I got a three week old girl. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and a couple of people said that like, oh man, like terrible timing. I'm like, dude, I have two summer babies, like as a dad, like that's a pretty good setup considering like, I know a few guys with October, November babies that are deer hunters. I'm like, listen, bud. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's really only an issue for the first handful of years. Right. But, and then after Mm -hmm. that you can flex their, you can flex their birthdays to the weekend before the weekend after, or, you know, whatever to make, to make mama happy. But, um, has this addition to your family, thrown a wrench into the the gears of of your season being this close to season i I mean because a three-month-old isn't gonna be the most ideal child to work with you know what i mean compared Mm -hmm. to your your boy how old's he he's two he's two right so well i guess he's probably you know that's so a two-year a two-year-old and a, a three you know three month old going into the the season are you gonna have to pull back the reins this year or is it all, yeah. all systems go so as far as like my hunt plans have changed for sure like i will not be able to be um as efficient or out there as much like dan in the past I, i've even gone like okay let's say i gotta be at work eight or nine nine o'clock dude i would drive and go pull trail cams in the dark like stupid early and like you know, I, I would go and get like little two hour scouts in uh, when time allowed. 
and and I turned up two really good bucks late in the year last year that I'm hoping to run into this year. But like honestly, dude, this is not the year to to hold out for a mega. Like, yeah. I you know the first PNY one thirty that that comes my way that's kind of in that you know shooter range for me. Like, this is the year you shoot him and and yeah. you move. And you I'm only hunting one state. I'm not hunting multiples, and I will probably do my morning. Uh, my morning advantage where I've talked about this uh, w- with my buddy Dave, if I go for a morning hunt uh, anywhere between one and two hours from the house and pack it all up, even let's say I, I hunt the rut and I, I hunt till 11 o'clock or noon, I'm home by one, two o'clock um, to help with bedtime. That seems to go over way better than being gone dark to dark or e- evening hunts, I think are even tougher on the family. Cause you're not there for bedtime. End of the day, the wife's tired. Like I, I kind of definitely plan to more volume shoot the mornings. Yeah, so that it's a it's more of a wake up ease into the day for her, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. And you think you're going to be able to get away with more sits throughout the year this year if you do it that way? Not so much like more sits overall. Like that'd be man. I, I don't think I should think that way. But I'm, like, I'm comparing it to dark to dark sits versus you know. Yeah, go, yeah, yeah. I doubt I'll do a dark to dark sit. Um, and I did this last year a little bit because I burned so many vacation days on a um, elk trip that I didn't have a lot of PTO at work. So I burned a lot of half days of PTO. And essentially, instead of taking like five days off of work, I did like 10 mornings. So I hunted like the first like, I don't know, a couple tail end of October mornings off work. And then a handful of days the first two weeks in November, I think I ended up killing like the sixth, eighth, ninth. I don't know, somewhere in there. Gotcha. Um so yeah, that's kind of going to be, I think my plan is to primarily hunt mornings, knowing that I'm probably not going to be able to time up like an evening. Yeah. I just don't see myself getting a lot of like late October evening hunts, which I really like. Yeah. Um, I think those are super efficient and, and yeah, I got to give those up. I, I, I think this year. Yeah. Well, you got to go. I mean, you're that working man, right? I know exactly yeah. where you and uh, and how you feel. I mean, there's there's times where, especially last season, where I I didn't remember how hard it was, and so there were times where I didn't get to go out for maybe that fourth evening in a row. And my wife was like, "Hey, I need you to, you know, I, I'd like to go out and have some drinks with my girlfriends." I'm like, "Well, it's hunting season, whatever, blah blah blah." But then I like. But then I had to realize, like, dude, back in the day, you wouldn't have had any of these hunts if you were sitting in, mm-hmm. in your cubicle, right? You you wouldn't have had any of these hunts because you'd be working. And so I had to take a step back and be like, geez, man, you know, like, yeah. uh, you're you're really lucky with what you got going on there. And so um, I... Dan, Dan, when was the hardest year, like, as far as, like, looking at you, you've got three kids. Yeah. And they're kind of, I think, evenly spaced as far as the age gap. From a guy listening, when were you like, man, it was hardest when they were X ages just because you had to be home? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so I, I had one boy born. My my youngest boy, he's born in September. All right. I was lucky because I have my mother-in-law is retired. So the the whole time. I had kids. I've had kids. So she had, she'd been, had been a big help for my, my first kid, uh, for sure. And then my second kid, but then my wife has got to, 
um, work from home over, let's see, the last four years now. And so that's really made it real easy, especially when my mother-in-law comes. They can kind of work as a team with the kids. The hardest, I wouldn't say, I mean, because for it's really not hard for me because I get to leave. I'm the one who's leaving. It's it's hard for my wife, so th- this actually might be a, qu- uh, a question for my wife, but I would assume that it is, it's going to be probably th- this season when, mm-hmm. I'm, when I'm gone, and she has to take all the kids to their sporting events. Uh, so we have soccer on Monday, we have football on Tuesday, we have dance on Wednesday, we have dance and football on Thursday and then Friday we have nothing Saturdays we have um, soccer games Sundays are football games so there's only one day out of that entire week where there's nothing going on in the evenings so it's it's probably leading into this activities season now the whole day the kids are at school throughout the the weekday and uh, and my my youngest son, he's in daycare. So it's really only stressful probably in the mornings and then in the evenings when it's time to go basically uh, drive them around to yeah. to their activities and, thing, and then getting them ready for bed, which can be uh, a nightmare at times. So... So I mean, I, if I had to say it, like the more activities that we get into, the the harder it it tends to get. But again, I'll, I'll tell you this though: it is hard to leave when you have a little kid. You're walking out the door, and he he pokes his head out and he goes, "Dad, where are you going?" And I said, "I'm going on. I'm going hunting." And he goes, "When are you going to be back?" And I say, hey, I'm going to be back in about eight days. And he, he starts to cry. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah. And, and so you feel guilty. And then I don't know about you, but um, when I go on some of these these hunts and I have to spend the night somewhere, night one, I'm not even thinking about the, the, the next day at all. I'm thinking about my kids, and I'm actually feeling guilty for being where I'm at. And, and so, and so then the next day hits, I, I focus in on the hunt. I'm exhausted by the time I get back to the camp or truck or wherever I'm staying and I instantly fall asleep and it becomes easier every day that I'm out there unless, and I'm sure there's been (laughs) listeners who have gotten the call as well, the text text where it's like your oldest son's being a nightmare or your daughter's being a nightmare today or, you know, like, when are you going to be back? Well, they, they've all, they've all had to, I don't know. It's just one of those things where over the years, I've just had to tell her in a blunt way, deal with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this is, there's nothing that I can do right now. I can't drive instantly eight hours home, <laughs> nine hours home and get back. So I don't know. I should, we, we should have our wives on and have a, a wife con- conversation, but I can just see that going horribly wrong. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. Um, the next, the next part of all this then is, you know, the, the spots 
that you're hunting I'm a, that are close to home. You're going to be hunting one state this year. Uh, are you comfortable with these locations? Are all of these locations places that you've hunted in the past? Are, there, are they new? What's the layout for this year as far as the properties are concerned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, best way to describe this, the, the home farm – Last year, I had some good bucks. Uh, I, I have a family property that is 18 acres. Um, there's a pretty good rut pinch in the back. And then, oh, the, the there's a couple bedding areas. I've tried to do some solid C-minus food plots there um, and some timber work. So so it's in a decent deer county for numbers. Uh, trophy quality has not been the best in the last couple years. But uh, I had one of those bucks that I got oh, – a lot of rut pictures of last year and August uh, 24th or 25th, he did, uh, he showed up on, on trail cam. Uh, and I don't know if uh, you follow the Drury's or um, some of the Exodus guys, they talk about those bucks, you know, late August, they kind of go for a little walkabout and almost do a scouting trip in there. There could be rut range or fall range. And uh, that guy would be a player as far as a shooter. So I'm a little bit excited about the home farm. And then I have what I call like three nets um, cast across some public land where I've got uh, <laughs> clusters of six to nine trail cams, two areas I am very familiar with. Um, one, one area that I am not so familiar with, but really put some boost to ground off season, found a good shed there, trail came to good buck late. Um, I think I put 20 miles in that section and um, couldn't turn up the sheds uh, of the real good buck, but uh, that area has my attention. And then I've got like a fourth play that like I chased two deer around in last year. I have zero trail cams out there, um, but like if I walked in there and saw some better buck sign, I would, I would, chances are I might know uh, who's running around there. Gotcha. Gotcha. So for the, mo- like, where are you sitting on a range of, zero or one i don't know anything brand new uh you know i'm very uncomfortable with these areas to 10 being hey i know this like the back of my hand yeah i would say two of the areas i know it like a and and i'm gonna call them seven out of tens yeah i think sometimes uh, i'm a year or so away from really having some good wind mapping notes in these areas um one of those areas i know really well like i i i i I feel really good about it. The The wind plays more of what the weatherman says. The thermals kind of do what they, they should. Um, there's a couple hillsides cause that, that I don't have the best wind mapping notes on, and it does seem to be a little trickier. Um, so, yeah, like a couple areas I feel better about, a couple of them not so much. As far as confidence, like I do think I'll turn up some shooters. I have pulled zero of my public land cams and due to the baby being born, like I just don't have that information, but I have deployed those cams. So my thought is opening day rolls around, like I might be scouting more than hunting and that's fine. I might not get a game plan until uh, mid to late October. Uh, I have no trips planned like yourself. Who's got a couple trips planned. Like I'll, I'll, you know, I think I'll come into play and I might figure it out come late October, November where I need to be. Gotcha. Well, that's good. And and the cool thing about this is, I don't know how you feel, but as I, I get older, I have confidence in myself being able to locate deer. You know, like, for example, yeah. in Iowa, I know there's a benchmark where the last 10 years I've at least seen this kind of buck. And I'll just, 
I don't know, for all intents and purposes, I'll just put them at uh, a 140 class four-year-old. So that's the benchmark. And then going into a season, I say that's the lowest, that's probably the lowest that I would shoot. Anything smaller than that or younger than that, it just really doesn't interest me. But because I run the trail cameras and I do the scouting and and I'm mobile, that that obviously goes up because the more, I have the more intel on said properties and things like that. So I'm uh, I'm right there with you where I can I feel confident about kicking something up that's greater than the benchmark that I've set for myself, and I've been able to do that the last you know the last couple of years, and so I'm. Uh, I'm pretty excited. And plus I have a brand new farm here in Iowa that I got access to permission piece. And so, um, I'm, I'm getting ready to, uh, go ahead, you know, getting ready to walk into the the season on this new place too. And, and I have very, I have high expectations for this farm because, uh, after talking to uh, someone who lives and hunts in this neighborhood, it's a really good neighborhood, uh, for deer. And so, I, uh, uh, that raised my expectations up even more. And I, I'm, I think, I think I'm going to be spending a lot of time in that area because, and I'll tell you why, when on the other farm that I've been hunting for like 14 years now, dogs, people on four wheelers, on side by sides, more dogs, random people walking through the woods, like, and and just the caliber of deer just aren't on that property anymore, and a lot of it has to do with the pressure of people on this property. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just people. The landowner has no idea who's on this property, and so they rely. She kind of relies on me and the other guys who hunt there to kind of fill her in. And so, so when we go to her and we go, "Hey, do you know who this is?" She's like, "No, I don't know who that is." Do you know who this is? No, I don't know. Like these people are walking around your property right now and it makes it difficult to i don't know uh, keep deer on that farm so to speak but something always happens around this late october time frame where the doe groups tend to stay stick around and the big dogs move in looking for the doe groups so there's always uh, there's always been a shooter that has met my benchmark on the on that property and so that's why i can continue to do it so i'm uh i don't know i'm how do you, how do they say that i'm pessimistically <laughs> optimistic or how, how do how do they say that yeah i uh pessimistic uh, op- i don't know maybe we just made it up but anyway yeah yeah i am i'm yeah. i am uh i'm optimistic from a standpoint of good grief you know what i mean yeah so yeah now let me ask this, Dan. New property. Yeah. Um, no idea the size. I don't know if you want to give that out, but like, how much priority do you put into? Okay, uh, I'm going to devote a few cams over there, or I'm yeah. going to do some scouting over there. Like, how do you split your time between maybe like Old Faithful and like maybe there's a side of you that wants to explore new ground? Yeah, there's definitely a side of me that wants to explore new ground, um, especially when said ground. After talking with the landowner. That that gentleman, uh, he's he owns the property. He's not a hunter. His cousin used to hunt it. I find out that he he was only a gun hunter. It hasn't been bow hunted in God knows how many years, and it really never 
got gun hunted too. And the past two slash three years, it hasn't been hunted at all. Nice. So with that said, it's kind of a little honey hole. And I don't know about you, but and so after walking through it, I um, I walked through it and there wasn't anything that overwhelming, like there was no overwhelming giant buck rubs in there. There wasn't any like, oh my God, I got to hunt this type. You know, you walk in and you do your scouting and you're just like, eh, okay, whatever. But it was the neighborhood and the surrounding farms that really got. Uh, me excited about it and and as you will as you know just like a lot of other guys the habitat that these deer live in doesn't have to be perfect if there's no pressure on that on that piece right so all the other areas could be getting pressure which just forces the deer into this area it doesn't have a lot of great ground cover it it but it has water and it has it's next to big ag and it has acorn trees in it where there's, there's a food source too. So it's not the best from a habitat standpoint, but it's better than being on the pressure, right? So it's just this void that's void of pressure. I'm going to be knock on wood or from what I understand, other than the, the people who farm the ground and work the ground, there's no, like I'm, I'm it. I'm it for hunting pressure. Yeah. So that that tells me that it's going to be good, and that's why I want to put uh, – that's why I dedicated cameras to it. Now, I will tell you this, that there's already shooters on it. I mean, the cell cam um, – I put a cell cam at the end of a finger that is leading up to a, a soybean field. And right now, for some reason, my cell cam's not working. I'm not sure if the batteries ran out of it already. But anyway, what I'm getting at is um, the first trail camera pick that I got on that farm was of a, uh, like a five-year-old one high one fifties, low one sixties. And so yeah, that, that'll, that'll take your fancy yeah, a little so, bit as far as like, Oh, I walked it. It was like a five out of 10. And then yeah. the first, first thing on the phone, you're like, Oh shoot. Right. And so since then there's been, there's like, uh, I want to say two to three other deer on that cell cam that have popped up that are great, but I have one, two, three, four, including that cell cam, I have five total trail cameras out there. And it, it's really only the the entire acreage is like 240, but a majority, a majority of it is ag and pasture. And so really the trail cameras are only in an 88 or 80 acre section. And even if you want to shrink it down more to that, it's probably like a 30 acres total. Um, where the I feel the deer are going to be moving in between all these other farms, and so I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. There we go. I think that's what, yeah. They, that, that's that, the term. that's what we were searching for. Yeah. So, I, dude, I, like I'll be honest. I I think I, I might try next week before I go on my uh, first out of state hunt. I might go pull some cards just to go yeah. and, and, and see what's out there and, uh, pull cards, maybe go set, a, uh, um, some sticks up and have those sticks waiting for me in a couple locations and really, uh, just kind of, I don't know, just throw it up. And, and if I, 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 my gut feeling says, if I'm going to kill a deer this year, it's going to be on that new farm. So nice. Yeah. Yep. And so I don't know, but as we all know, for 
people who aren't really living on the property and don't necessarily work the property themselves. Um, the, the landowner, he says there's nobody hunting there, but if I had to guess, I'm going (laughs) to run into someone who, who hunts that. And, And so when I, when I walk up to him and say, Hey, do you have permission to hunt here? He's, they're going to say, just like anytime you run onto someone like, uh, that you've never met before on a piece of property that you've been told that no one hunts. Yeah. I got permission here 20 years ago. Well, did you check in with them since that, that, you know, I, you know, like you don't, you know, like they say that nobody hunts here. And so I don't know, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. And, uh, if I got to deal with that, I got to deal with it, but on that property, when I walked it, there were no there were no tree stands or no ground blinds, and it didn't yeah. look like there had been anything there. So, uh, dude, I'm, I'm I'm excited for that piece, man. Yeah. Now, I was talking with a buddy yesterday, um, and we were discussing like this past weekend, right? It's like the fifth, sixth, or fourth, fifth, sixth, and we're like, man, like this is not the trail cam uh, weekend pool. They, they we felt because a lot of those deer are still going to be fuzzy horned. Yep that and 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 that shifts occurring right now it's like i would much rather have almost this weekend or even uh the yeah. following weekend's information and and we got to discussing too like okay you want to stay out but like also if you get information right before season like that is so that's so valuable as far as uh beyond trail cam picks like if you're walking in the woods and see some good tracks or maybe a deer crosses the road in the dark like we we were we were discussing because I've only got one chance probably to pull any sort of trail cams before season, and it may only be like three that are semi close to the road that I can pull up, run through the woods, and be back in the truck in forty minutes, kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, and I was I was asking him like, dude, when do you think I should go? And so like I kind of like that play of let them get some hard hornment information on them. Is that kind of a typical thing for you? You you wait till mid September. Man, I always used to put rules on myself. You know, like I always used to say, do not go in the woods in September, right? Have everything ready so that when October comes around and you do decide to hunt, then you can go in. But now with, and you're, you're about to learn all this. Uh, I've, I'm in the process of learning from it. And all these guys who have kids in high school or kids who are out of the house, they've already gone through this, that you got to go do it when you have time to go do it. And so do I want to be able to get out there and let that, for example, I want to do it next week. Then I go on my hunt. I'd like to have that all taken care of. But if I, if I come back, I'm, let's see, I'm going to pull up my calendar real quick. If I go check my cameras and all right, so I'm going to Nebraska the 18th through the 25th. I don't know if I want to go the the week of the 26th because the season starts that Saturday. Why not just wait sure. and, and maybe go on October 1st on that Saturday, go and go check the cameras while you do a, a morning-afternoon hunt or a afternoon-morning hunt and then just kind of go and then start it there. But to answer your question – me, I would love to see that shift occur on trail camera, right? I would rather go check my yeah. cards after the hard horn shift, after the quote unquote September shift and, um, and see the new 
structure, so to speak, of the deer that are walking around on the properties. And, and I think people get surprised. And, and I know I always do where every summer I get jacked up because there's like five shooter bucks on said on a, any given farm. And then something happens in September, there's this redistribution. And then what do you know? There's only one, if not any. And usually their their range shifts, the food source shifts, they shift, and they're either nocturnal, for me anyway. Nocturnal doesn't mean that, nocturnal typically means then that they're just not betting on the farm that I have access to, right? They're, they're somewhere else and then coming in. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's one of those things where I just kind of shoot from the hip, I play at my ear, and, and then hopefully when it's time to start putting myself in a tree and getting aggressive with the strategy that, uh, there's something on the farms that, you know, that, that gets me interested. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, uh, I was looking to make my mission and I wanted to pick like a, the best time frame for, for me to be gone with the most information. That's why I was kind of like, ah, I think that first weekend in September is an out and I'm kind of looking I I'm, I think I'm gonna let the baby get another week older. Yeah, and maybe that 17th, 18th, 9th, somewhere somewhere around that next weekend. That puts me a week out from season. Um, if a couple of bucks uh, turn up, that will determine where I start scouting. Hopefully, opening weekend. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the more I think about it, and the more I've looked at trail camera data over the years. Man, I think that would be a really good time for for the guys who are listening that that transition period from velvet to hardhorn i feel like in that week after they're hard that there's just a lot of movement going on specifically for bucks because one thing that i've noticed on some of these trail cameras where these bachelor groups are if you look at the posturing of some of these bucks if especially if there's more than one buck in a trail camera picture man some of the times their ears are back and they're just they they turn from buddies to jockeying for a position, and so I I really feel like if there's guys out there that have maybe wanted to try to get uh, a velvet buck, then they're maybe thinking oh, I'll just wait till October. Now maybe maybe pay attention to that. And and this is just an absolute hunch slash guess at this point. I don't know. I don't have any scientific research that 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 time when they are jockeying for position, they're trying to figure out who's dominant. I'm guessing they're laying signs, starting to make rubs um, in this uh, second, third week of September. I think that might be a good time to get in the woods. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I also think, too, like I run a lot of trail cams on scrapes and I, I imagine a lot of whitetail guys do as well. Like, I feel like you're. I don't know. That deer's way more likely to stick its head in a licking branch with hard antlers yeah. versus velvety ones there. Um, it yeah. just seems like that information is so much more valuable. I know you're going to, you, you know, you, you might kick some stuff up. You might disturb some stuff, but you can also learn stuff in September. I've, you know, because buck sign is being laid down, um, you know, you can catch a track that's way more valuable um, that, that later half with yeah. your opener very close by. I like you have, have kind of my small farm. I do try to, to stay out. Like I probably would not go check those cameras unless I had some good rain. But, um, the more I do this, the more I'm like, that information is so critical to kind of my approach, if you will. Yeah. So when, when it's, 
Is there anything like, so for example, guys like us, right? Guys who are working guys, um, we, we kind of have to try to plan when we're going to be gone or take, take some of these trips or dedicate X amount of time to the hunt. And usually that's in November during the rut, except, you know, for the Midwestern guy, uh, if you're a Southern guy, whatever your rut is, is there ever like this year, if there's a, a big weather front or maybe a early snow or a lot of rain or some, something happens that you, you look at the wife and go, I got to get out in the woods tonight. You know, I know it's last minute. I have, we didn't plan for this, but I would love to get into the woods tonight. Is are there any indicators like that that would get you in the woods in a very short notice? Maybe early yeah. season. Early season, no. I got to wait till late October before I can even have that conversation or approach that. But I also have an ace in the hole. I I think it was two years ago. Uh, I put my foot down. On on, I, I saw a cold front coming. I saw the ten day. I said, "Hey, next Wednesday, I, I really got to get in the woods, especially if that rain stops." Uh, well, Monday, Tuesday rolled around, and she said, "Hey, the girlfriend's going to take me out on Wednesday." And uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I had to pick and choose the battles. Well, I picked that battle, and I killed a buck then Wednesday night. Yeah. So so, <laughs> you got you got to tell us like what was she pissed? Oh um. Yeah, it did not go over well. I th- I can't remember if it was the Monday or Tuesday that she sprung that on me, and I was like, "But babe, like, like the rain's gonna stop midday Wednesday. Like, I, I have, uh, I had this scrape that two or three bucks were battling over. Like, they would both touch it within twenty four hours. Like, I knew early October, like that wasn't the play. And, and dude, I went in there and, and shot him, and I remember I, I couldn't find him that night, and I came home. And she didn't give two shits about me not finding that buck and then having to go search the next day. But, like, like I proved, like, hey, I saw that weather front. I called it. I called my shot. Like, clearly I knew what was going on. I, I feel like that was a uh, that was a moment to, to, to pick and choose sometimes. Yeah. Well, you knew, right? And you had a gut instinct, and you went out, and you got it done. So now the cool thing about that is you have a reference <laughs> point through history that you can go back and be like, hey, listen, sweetie, if – if I tag out in October, like if I tag out tonight, guess what? I don't got to go hunting the rest of the the year, right? And so, yeah, you know, yeah, I I had success this year when I did it. So I don't know. That's a that's a good that's a good ace in the hole to have. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not gonna pick that battle uh, October fifth. Um, my wife has that early October birthday, and I have traditionally like thrown her like an OSU tailgate or like done a a bigger party with some of our friends, and. Don't get me wrong, there is a buck named Apple Picker that one year daylighted uh, when I took my wife apple picking. And I missed that cold front because I was willing to punt, I think, October 10th. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have probably punted too. You know what I mean? I would have I would have yeah. probably just been like, ah. Eh. Because if, if we're going to sit here and argue about the best times to be in the woods, I'd yeah. ra- I would rather punt the entire month of October and then go and, and just buckle down the first two weeks in November. Right. And, and just cap, put everything into a week or two weeks or whatever, however much time I had, then play these little games and, and get the, the where going, right. You know, like get them 
my, my wife would just be a little mad, then a little more mad, then a little mad. And then I'm going to go try to kill a deer two weeks out. Um, I don't know. But like I said, the expectations of my wife have been set. If she's mad, if she's mad, it's mad, she's mad because she wants to be mad. Not because I haven't given her all the information and told her exactly what I'm going to do because that's, that conversation happened 10 years ago. So, and it, and it, it happens every single year. So as far as timing and, and you know, when I'm going to go, everything's already on the calendar when I'm doing my out of state hunts, unless for example, out West, it's really hot right now. And so if that continues into the, the, when I decide to go do my trip, I might put, push my Nebraska trip back a week and because I, I have the flexibility to do that. Now, if I don't, then I don't know if, if I, if I don't do that, it's going to be a bad hunt out West. And so I have that flexibility there and the expectations have been set and she knows what she has to do. I've done it for the past however many years. So it's one of those things where it's just part of life now. And, uh, so what I, what I'm getting at is don't just spring hunts on people uh, unless it is an occasion like what you were talking about where, Hey, uh, there is this cold front coming tonight or, uh, in two days. And with the technology that we have, it should like, when I say spring a hunt on someone, we can all look at the weather, uh, forecast and, and, and forecast out three or four days in in advance and just be like, listen, in two days, there's this cold front coming in. Are you cool if I hunt a morning and an evening or an evening in a morning or whatever, whatever the case may be. And just kind of get an idea, uh, put it, put the idea in their head and maybe the weather doesn't turn out like that. And then you don't go hunting anyway, or maybe you do get to go out hunt and you kill uh, your biggest buck ever in October 3rd or something like that. So, <laughs> right now, Dan, I, I think it's important too to like, you know, you plant that seed, right? right. And then you got to water that seed. Like, hey, like there's a cold front coming a week or so out or three or four days out. But like, I think the goal should be, okay, from October 15th through through November, Yeah, um, it's like ideal to hit maybe two out of the four better cold fronty days or, or yeah. rain stoppy type days. Like realize you're probably not going to bet, bet a th- bat a thousand but uh, if you miss uh, the, the cold front on October 21st, maybe you use that as far as a leverage in the argument that comes up on uh, October 26th. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this question. I, I hear some guy. I've talked to a tons of guys, and it sounds to me, I don't know how to say this without coming off at as an asshole because in, on other podcasts on the, the network I, that I've listened to, some guys have talked about, Hey, my wife, you know, like about how they handle their, their wife or their significant other when the hunting gets good. And, and so I feel like there's, how do I put this? I don't want to call a guy a pussy online yeah. on, on air, but man, if this is the only thing you do, right? If this is the only thing that you do, like for me, this hunting is the only thing I do other than coach my kids sports. Um, I don't go to bars. I don't, I'm not in softball leagues. I'm not, I don't have any other hobbies 
other than hanging out with my family and hunting. And so if you if you're that guy now if you're if you golf all summer and then you're in a softball league in the fall and then and then you still want to go do this thing and then your wife bitches, I can understand why she bitches. But there's guys out there who I've talked with that their their wife tries to lay down the law. I think there's gotta be there's gotta be a time where you you put your foot down and and you just straight up say, Hey, listen, I know it's gonna suck for you. But I don't do anything else other than this. This is this is all I want to do. So if I want to go out and do this tonight, I'm going to go out and do this tonight. And if you like, and then um, I had this conversation with another guy one time where I was like, how much, and I'm going to ask you, Byron, how much hunting would you have to do in a single year for your wife to be so mad at you that she would pack up your two-year-old and brand new baby and leave, leave you like how much hunting would, would that actually take? <laughs> Is this going to be a case study? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but you, you know, oh. what I, you know what I'm getting at? Like yeah. in order for my wife to leave me because of like hunting so much, dude, I don't know. I feel like I could hunt a hundred days in a row for, for 10 years in a row and, and she wouldn't leave me. Right. And, and now I'm not advocating for you to just push the limits that hard all the time, pick your battles. And, but I feel like there's, there are times when men need to stand up for themselves a little bit more and just be like, Oh, hundred percent. Listen, this is all I do. And if it is truly all you do, man, go hunt, like go hunt. Like I, I don't yeah. see, well, I don't see a, now the after effects when you do get home and she cold shoulders, you or she's pissed at you and like whatever, whatever the case may be, you, you're going to have to deal with that. Right. But man, I think it's okay to stand up and, and fight for what you yeah, love to I do. Think, and, and like phrase it, like, look, bow hunting makes me happy. Yeah. You want me to be happy, you know? Like it, that, they, they, I, I, it's all about the approach and, and yeah. delivery, but like, yeah, there, there definitely has to be a point. I wouldn't, cr- yeah, I, I wouldn't want to crumble, you know, like bow hunting is what I love to do. And if somebody said like, I don't want to be with you cause you bow hunt, like dude, like, yeah. Yeah. Then there's something else wrong in your relationship. If that's the, yeah. that like, if that's the tipping point, you know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, and now by- at 24, I did have to give up, like focus in because I was playing soccer uh, in a men's league. I was fishing on Tuesdays with another buddy. Like I definitely had to tone it down to okay, okay what do I do? I, I work out uh, a little bit. Um, that's a little bit of selfish time, and then literally I I, I deer hunt. Um, yeah. My wife has told me I am a retired elk hunter at this point, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, that's for you know. Hey, even some of the goats come back and, and, and play the game even after they retire, buddy. So, uh, so it ain't over until it's over. Right. Um, but, uh, so, (laughs) so, um, I will say what we just talked about, um, don't use my name in your approach to your wife, right? Don't say, well, I was listening to Dan Johnson and Dan Johnson told me I need to stand up for myself and blah, blah, blah. And then your wife's like, well, Dan Johnson can kiss my ass because he doesn't pay the bills and he doesn't do the laundry. And he, you know, like, like, uh, they, they try to use me as the scapegoat, but, and then 
and then I'm starting to get emails and uh, uh, messages from angry wives all over the Midwest about, hey, it's November. Who's going to come take the trash out? You know, who's taking my kids to practice? Blah, blah, blah. So just be a good dad and then go have fun in the woods. Yeah. 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 I would, I would agree. But like, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that fine line that, that stick, stick up for yourself and all those guys that are 20, of, I don't know, early twenties, right? Like yeah. maybe they're not fully settled with their significant other. Like that conversation needs to be had right now. It needs to be had. Yeah. yeah. Cause the first, the, uh, the, the girl that I dated before my wife, uh, I was 26 and we were dating right, we started dating right as I started getting serious about hunting. And so we were date. we started dating in, I think, July. And then July was fun. August was fun. September was fun. October hit and I was gone every single weekend. I, I hunt morning and, I, and that was back in the day when I was hunting all the time. And mm-hmm. so, and then the rut hit and that was two weeks where I was just in the woods all the time. And, and so she's like, wait a second. And I pretty much just said, Hey, listen, this is what I like to do. And that didn't work for her. <laughs> so I made sure that I had the conversation right away. It was like first or second date with my wife. And I was like, listen, um, this, this is what I do. I don't do anything else. Luckily her dad was a hardcore bass fisherman where that's all he did. Like she would tell me stories where, her mom would pick her up from school and they would be driving down the road and her dad would be coming the other direction, pulling the boat to leave town for the weekend to go fishing without a note, without a telephone call, without anything. And just meet and they'd see him on Sunday night when he got back. So, <laughs> so, um, so she dealt with that growing up, which I think made me, a little bit more tolerable, uh, you know, and, and what I do a little bit more, you know, tolerable. So, uh, let me, I'll just say to all the guys out there who are dealing with a situation like that, good luck. That's it. Good luck. Yeah. So Byron, um, you know, we've been talking now for a while, your season, if you're going to call your shot, I want you to call your shot to, You know, I want you to say it's going to happen on this day or, or, uh, I think it's going to happen here. Do you, do you feel comfortable calling your shot and where do you, how, how, where do you think success is going to come for you this year? If it comes? Yeah. Yeah. I think, Oh, so if I, if I was a betting man, I, I like late October, the final week of October, I think I've killed two out of the last four that week. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big woods buck again this year. Cause I don't, I don't have the, some of the farm country as dialed Yeah, and I think, I think it's going to be a morning hunt. Yeah. I think morning hunt, uh, October, let's call it 25th through the 29th, 30th. And, uh, he's going to come stick his head in his scrape at like, 8 39 a.m. and i'm gonna have to call the boss uh, uh the real boss the nine to five boss and be like hey i'm not gonna be in today yeah um that's when i like it to happen yeah uh, what about yourself dan i think my okay so my two out-of-state hunts that i have planned the that's all chance and luck 
right? I, I'm not going to call that shot. But in Iowa, I really do think this year, I if I'm if I'm going to call my shot, it's going to be a morning hunt as well. It's going to be for some reason I think it's going to be cold. So it, it's going to be like a late October. If I'm going to really, I mean. Just historically, I put a lot of time in in November, right? It's gonna, but it's gonna be after a major rain event or precipitation event, and it's gonna be on a west wind in this new property that I have access to in this CRP field that ha- it looked like trees were planted 20 years ago, so they all kind of go in a straight line uh, mm-hmm. following the terrain and there's a main trail that runs right through there and it's really easy to access all i have to do is hop down in a creek walk straight up and on a west wind and i just have this gut feeling that it's going to happen either there or further down where the crp and the creek meet the the chunk of timber and i got another trail camera in there but the the way the terrain just all flows down in there it makes this awesome awesome beautiful terrain pinch point and i really do think it's going to happen in one of those two spots and on a west wind and uh i think it's going to be a morning hunt as well something coming off the fields cutting down in through this crp field and heading up into the timber to bed and uh we will uh we'll see man we'll see what happens yeah. Now I, I am secretly hoping to, uh, I have a couple bucks I've got sheds off of. I have yet to connect on a shed buck. Yeah. Um, that, that's a goal of mine. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm prioritizing uh, a match set and then this other rogue giant that was in there. But yeah, I would love to be able to pull, pull a match set, uh, or shoot a buck I've got sheds off of. Yeah. I've only done that once. Okay. Unless I have, you know, some sheds that are smaller, you know, like all eight point sheds for, from a two year old kind of look the same. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a hundred of those sheds laying out in the, you know, in the landscape. So unless I don't know it, but, oh yeah, yeah you know what I mean? Uh, but I've only for sure in 2018, I shot a buck that I found uh, a shed to the previous year trail camera i have the trail camera data and all that stuff just to prove it but but yeah man i've only done that once but as far as the season goes i'm i'm optimistic it sounds like given your circumstances you're fairly optimistic as well and uh let me just wish you good luck this season man yeah i appreciate it dan and and good luck to you on a a couple year out of staters and then obviously your your home pursuit there that's always one i watch real close yeah absolutely hey byron i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to hop on and chat with us today very good man appreciate it and there you have it ladies and gentlemen huge shout out to all of you and i i mean this from the bottom of my heart i hope all of you find success this year whether it is in the woods or in life or in business. I hope you guys find success. I'm sending good vibes out to you. Um, huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt Stand, Vortex. Please go out and support the brands that support this podcast, especially our network brands as well. Hunt Stand is a network partner as well. Interstate Batteries, Bowtech, Outdoor Edge, Go Wild, Moultrie Mobile, and Hunt Class. They're, they're a new one. So uh, please go out and support those brands as well. I'm sending good vibes to you guys. I'm sending them right now. Hopefully you guys get them, get fired up for this season. Go hunt hard. Go have fun. Honor the beast. And 
wear your damn safety harness. And now we'll talk to you on Friday or whenever I launch the next one. So good luck out there. Thank you.